Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be traveling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric. And this week is no different. I'm going to be chatting this week with Stella Woodward, the vegan coach. Um, Stella's uh, an amazing personal trainer uh, and vegan coach to a whole host of people, vegan curious folks, uh, newly, newly vegan types, and actually people who've been vegan for years and just need a bit of advice, whether it be nutritionally speaking, uh, in terms of training. And actually, what I particularly love about Stella, and we're going to hear about that uh, in, a, in a moment in the conversation, is that uh, Stella's coaching goes a little bit beyond just the individual. She really thinks about uh, the individual as part of the family kind of nucleus, if you like. Um, and, and that's a particularly um, unique standpoint, I think, uh, as a coach. And obviously, you know, still, uh, despite the rise of veganism, uh, there are not that many vegan coaches that I've that I've come across um, who who can support in this way. So, uh, without further ado, here's a conversation between me and Stella Woodward, the vegan coach. plant-based journey um it was because of my daughter and um, so she's almost eight now um so when she was one and a half um she stopped breastfeeding and started on the health visitors advice um on cow's milk products um yogurt cheese things like that and um we noticed almost overnight she had you would possibly describe it as a personality change so she went from being the happiest most content baby um you've ever seen or met to being really quite um quite upset um just really really struggled with life started to develop sensory issues around things like teeth brushing getting dressed um so we we just could not quite put our finger on what it was and family members were saying take her to the doctors you know she might be autistic something like that but i think as a parent you just instinctively know that it's not that um so to cut a long story short, we discovered she had a dairy intolerance. So she was intolerant to cow's milk produce, um, which was making her very inflamed in the upper upper airway, upper respiratory tract. Um, so she was snoring a lot while she was sleeping. So although she was sleeping sleeping a lot or sleeping the, the recommended quota for a child her age, she wasn't actually dropping into any kind of deep or reparative sleep because she had this, um, what you would class as a sleep disorder breathing because of the inflammation, because of the dairy produce. Um, so when we discovered that, we quit dairy and within three days, she was a completely different child. The, um, the sensory issues disappeared, her being upset over everything disappeared, the snoring disappeared. Um, it was quite remarkable. So that's when, when we went down the, the plant-based rabbit hole. So starting with quitting dairy produce and then it just went on from there. Wow, that that's that's quite a compelling story just off the off the bat yeah, there. Quite interesting, isn't it? 
So it's, it's really interesting that it, so the impact upon her was not just a physical one. It sounds like it was sort of in like in behaviours almost like yes, because the the inflammation was stopping her from being breathing correctly while she was sleeping, so she wasn't um, she wasn't getting the benefit of her, of her sleep, if you like, and then right. that was impacting her behaviour and. You know yourself if you've had a really mm. rubbish a rubbish night's sleep, you just feel really really irritated, don't you? And just you can't cope with the world. Yeah. Um, and and that's what she was like. Uh, and because she'd gone from being such a contented, such a happy baby, into a child that was experiencing issues like that, um, yeah, it, it was really upsetting to see. And we just as a parent, I just really wanted to get to the bottom of it. Um, so yeah, we discovered the, the dairy intolerance, and I mean, I suppose naively looking back, I was just health visitors' advice was give give them cow's milk, give them cheese, give her yogurt, um, so she was having loads of that, and it was obviously just having a really really bad effect on her. Yeah, and was it was your initial kind of thought process quite um, comfortable with the idea of um, either dairy alternatives? or what you would kind of give her instead? Did you kind of have to do a fair amount of research or were you kind of pretty aware of where to go? Um, well, at the time, and we're talking maybe about five or six years ago now, um, there was, in, in comparison to how, how fast things have, have changed and developed in terms of veganism and dairy-free, I mean, I think there was, in the supermarket, you could maybe get soy milk and that was about it, really. Um but I think I was just I was just so convinced that that, that was the issue. We ju- we literally just quit it that day and then just thought, you know what, let's just learn as we're going, just learn on our feet type thing. Um, so initially we just got rid of that stuff from our diet and then just gradually started to introduce alternatives. Um, but she, she doesn't really... She used to drink a lot of milk when she was having the cow's milk. But then she chose not really to drink soy milk or anything. I mean, now she's older, she has it in teas and maybe a milkshake or a smoothie or something. But um, yeah, we we just we just we just got rid of it and then thought, let's just learn learn as we go along, type thing. Did you have kind of dietary concerns at the time, like switching to kind of non-dairy? Because I know what I mean, calcium and stuff like that. Yeah, I wonder if. Yeah, I wondered if you sort of went through a bit of a journey of like, oh my god, like if she's not having that, is she gonna be deficient in this, that, or the other? Not, not really, because because when I started realizing that, I'm, a, I'm very much a person that I need to then start to know or find out everything about this thing. So I just went down the rabbit hole and reading, you know, are you, you how not to die and your China study and all these other sort of books and information out, say, out there are almost saying that the amount of calcium that we consume in the Western diet from dairy produce is probably too much for the human body. Um, so I wasn't massively concerned about that. Um, and I knew that she was she had a, a well-balanced diet anyway. Um, so no, I wasn't too bothered about that, too worried about it. And as you started to do this research, and you mentioned a couple of the, the sort of the go-tos, uh, the, mm. the China study and how not to die and so on, as you started to get into that, that level of research, and I take it at this point you weren't plant-based or considering no. sort of veganism as a, as a, as a sort of wider, um, yeah. position. So, so 
was it a bit of a revelation for you? I, I take it at that point as well, or yes, um, I, I've always pretty much been into been into health and been into fitness, and always want to be as healthy as possible. Um, and as soon as I started reading reading up on the topic, it was it was a no brainer. It just very very quickly snowballed from there. So as a family, we quickly straight away, and then just gradually. Um, over maybe a space of a few weeks or a few months, we then tr- transition to full vegan or plant-based diet. Wow! So, it, so you you'd done your homework and were pretty confident pretty quickly by the sounds yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. Once I once I get into something, I'm into it. <laughs> I'm, go- <laughs> I'm going for it. Uh, and my my husband knows that I'm like that, so he just if I really read up on something and I really get into something, he just trusts me and he's like, yeah, let's yeah. let's let's do it. I trust you. Let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and being really into your health and fitness at this point, um, were, were you kind of, did you have the kind of the, the traditional concerns, the, the, what about my protein intake, those kind yes. of things? 100%. Um, so at, at the time I was not a vegan coach. I was not a personal trainer. Um, my original degree is in dentistry. So I'm a dental therapist. Um, so I was, I was heavily into fitness training in, in the gym, weightlifting, um, so yes, the, the the effect that the diet had on my performance and on my physique was a concern. Um, and then that's when I started going down the vegan coach route because I was looking for a vegan coach. I wanted a personal trainer or a coach to advise me what to eat, to, to build muscle, to maintain muscle, to stay lean. Um, I needed somebody to advise me on how to and maintain my strength or improve my strength and performance in the gym using a plant-based diet and and surprisingly at that time there was hardly anybody out there to help I just, I just could not find help and um, so then I had to basically learn everything myself help myself and then I just thought I, I need to help other people as well so that's that then when that aspect evolved and was the the sort of you know perhaps the people that you associated with in the health and fitness world were they were they fairly skeptical of of the some of the things that you maybe were starting to introduce to them the ideas you might be were talking about? Yes, um, there's always the where are you going to get your protein from question, um, and I think not perhaps quite so much now, but back then it was like vegans are almost perceived as being quite. So a week, aren't they? And a bit, <laughs> a bit, a bit pale and a bit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there was all there was always a bit of that, like. I mean, as you mentioned there, just uh, just a moment ago, you were talking about um, the China study and how not to die, mm. and some of these sources of kind of information, and yeah. and then you went on this kind of like almost formal learning path, um, to yeah. to the place you're at now. How did that kind of start and where did you go to look for that information and, and, and move it into a more formal space if you like? Yeah, it was a bit it was a bit tricky initially. Um there was a few sort of books that I read written by sort of bodybuilders from the US, um, but again not particularly scientifically backed and a lot of the, the information and the advice they were given was was quite US based. So the foods and the products they were talking about were were things that we didn't have in the UK really um, and then I happened upon um, a nutritionist and personal trainer called Ben Coomer um, he, he's pretty well known in the in the fitness space um, he's British um, he's not vegan himself but um, he, he puts a lot of really sort of sound scientific 
information and research and stuff out there. So um, sort of learned quite a bit of stuff from him, from stuff that he's he's published and puts out there. Um, and then I had to do my. I'm saying I'm saying I had to like it was a chore. Um, <laughs> I did my my, my formal um, diploma in personal training. Um, so level two gym based instructor and then level three diploma personal training. Now that very much is your sort of traditional nutrition um based around meat and dairy produce produce and stuff like that. So obviously I had to learn that and I, I kinda of was taking it as a with a pinch of salt as I was learning it. Um but just really looking for the latest research on um on athletes and plant based diet and, and there's not a, a load out there. Um but yeah Ben Coomer he's a pretty pretty reliable source I would say. because um, I mean you've got to there's so much information on the internet, isn't there nowadays? That you've got to be careful where, who you who you source your information from, and and how how believable is it? How credible are these studies? Um, you've got to you've got to go into it with an open mind, I think, and got to be a bit um, not suspicious, but just yeah, you got to got to question things. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's um, I'm sure you found this, but as as soon as you um mentioned that you're vegan to anybody uh, or even if you were contemplating it uh, suddenly everyone yeah. comes a becomes a nutritionist who you're talking to yeah uh, based on what they've read online do you, I imagine you still encounter that despite your qualifications and the position you're in now is that is that something you've experienced yeah um and I, I'm quite um I'm always open open for discussions with you and you'll always have there's always scientific research and stuff to, to back you up and stuff to refer to but then it, it food food's one of those things isn't it it's tied up in, in cultural beliefs and religious beliefs and there's a lot there's lots and lots of things that influence how we and what we uh, beliefs around it not just scientific evidence from clinical trials and studies so um i'm always open-minded and and um i always accept the opinions of other people and I'm not the sort of vegan that tries to make everybody else vegan. Um, mm. It's hardly a personal choice for all those reasons that I've just mentioned, really. Um, and and I don't know about you, but sometimes I find when people discover I'm vegan, I, I think they expect an argument from me or they expect me to try and ram it down their throat or they almost try and get into a debate with me. And I think they're always quite surprised when I just don't really... I don't really take them on board with it really but yeah yeah no I'm, I'm with you that's um it, it's kind of a skill in uh, I suppose holding your tongue or patience or whatever to to not yeah to not respond isn't it when somebody like yeah. like you say is looking for that yeah it's, it's yeah sometimes I find it quite quite amusing actually because I think perhaps the only vegans that, that people have been exposed to. I used to uh, animal rights activists because they're the ones that are out there and they're the ones that are shouting the loudest. So I think once somebody discovers you vegan, I think they sometimes think we're all the same. <laughs> uh, we're not really, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a theme that has sort of has, has come up a number of times, actually. I kind of hold the view that activism is um, is, is a variety of things. Oh, thank you. Sorry, I, I lost you there. That's all right. I, I was going to say, I, I, I sort of, um, ha, it's come up a few times in the podcast, and I have a bit of a view that yeah. activism is a, a number, as a number of things, not just, not just one kind of methodology, if you like. It's uh, yeah. Uh, it sounds like you subscribe to that, <laughs> that view. Mm. Yeah, I think I do. I think I do. Um, I think I do. I think I do. Um, 
I mean, I, I, um, if if somebody asks me about my vegan diet, my vegan lifestyle, I'll I'll tell them what they want to know. Um, but I don't go around trying to convert people because that's completely their own, own choice. Um, and and obviously, I love it if if people ask me for vegan recipes or, or advice, and and they want to become more plant based and they, they become healthier because of it. Then that's wonderful. But I'm not on a one woman crusade to mm. to turn the world world vegan. I'm here for vegans who want advice. Yeah. Um. So so I'm now the vegan coach that I was looking for five years ago. Um. But no, I I don't think I want I want to try and convert people. It's entirely the wrong choice. Yeah. And I imagine that you probably have, uh, I suppose, actually, the the, yeah. sort, the sort of trade-off from from that yeah. viewpoint is is you probably have ended up converting more more people. Uh, it'd be it'd be great to sort of talk a little bit about uh, how you've how you've gone about kind of building such a an amazing client base uh, that you have now after five years. Um. So a lot of my clients are vegan, and a lot of them have found me. So they did what what I did years ago and they just literally Googled vegan coach and they found me. Whereas when I Googled it, I couldn't find anybody. Um, so yeah, a lot of my clients are vegan and they've come to me for help because they've become vegan and they've perhaps not, they've perhaps not seen the health benefits that they, they thought they would because they've maybe fallen into the trap of eating a lot of sort of vegan processed foods. Um, so yeah, I get a lot of my client base from, from people Google me and then word of mouth as well. So people who are into plant-based lifestyle tend to be friends with other people who are. So um, they, they either bring their friends along to my gym or um, we we connect online and I coach people online. So um, yeah, it's like a bit of a, the, the word spreads around, I guess. Um, and I do have quite a few clients who are, are not vegan. Um, but they know that I'm not the pushy vegan, um, and they know if they come to my gym, it's not going to get rammed down their throat. Um, there, there are discussions about veganism, but normally, um, like where's the best place to eat out and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then that quite often inspires them, and, and most of my clients um, end up eating a much more plant-based diet um, than they did before they started um, training with me, which is brilliant. Yeah, I bet just just through your your example and the the sort of quality of your coaching and the the support yeah. you provide people, I'm, I'm sure that they they do even if they they weren't to begin with. Imagine it's inevitable almost. Yeah, I think I think they see the health benefits, and I think most of my client base, um, I think sort of like attracts like, doesn't it? Most of my client base are, are sort of similar age to me, and most have got children as well and, and as parents are always looking for recipes and ways to get the kids to eat healthier and get the kids to eat more vegetables um, so I've got loads of clients who, who cook my recipes for the kids on a regular basis because they know that they, they're getting healthy, nutritious um, vegetable based meals into the children um, without having to try and sit your kids down and make them eat a, eat a plate of broccoli because let's face it not <laughs> No kids are going to do that. <laughs> I think that that's a point I'd really like to explore with you, sort of as a parent as well, and and, and a parent yeah. who's not only vegan but is is qualified, you know, in in sort of making sure that their their child has a has an amazing start and thrives on a on a vegan and plant based diet. Um, yeah. I'd I'd love to sort of explore with you some some of the 
essentials, if you like, some of the yeah. the things that we absolutely should consider as vegan parents. I, I, I am one myself, I've got a little two-year-old, so this is um, uh, definitely of interest to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tricky because kids can be fussy eaters at the best of times, can't they? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think it's important to look at getting the omega fats into the diet um, for the for the brain growth and development and the nerve growth and development, um, and that reduces inflammation in the body. So um, if you're not eating oily fish, um, we eat a lot of nuts and seeds um, and lots of different, different forms, um, and we use like seed oils, like flax oil, things like that. So I make sure that's incorporated into my, my daughter's diet and, and our diet as well. Um, we touched on the calcium earlier on. Um, most of your plant-based um, milks and yogurts and stuff are, are fortified with calcium these days anyway. Um, although it's not regulated in the industry, so um, it's really hitting with how much is in there. Um, but we'll always make sure um, getting plenty of calcium in the diet. Vitamin D, which is a, a big thing in this country for and these really things, things that I'm talking about here are really things that kids who are who are not vegan would lack in as well, as well as adults. Mm. Um, so vitamin D, um, we do take supplements for that. Um, but again, just trying to incorporate foods, for example, mushrooms, things like that, that contain vitamin D. Um, yeah, just trying to make sure you sort of across the board eating as wide a variety of a, a plant-based diet as possible as well. Um, trying to just get so many different fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, trying different things all the time. So I think kids can become very sort of um, selective in what they eat. You hear some kids and they've only got maybe five things that they'll eat and each one of those things are beige, aren't they? So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and trying to, I think what works really well for us and what works really well for my clients is get your kids in the kitchen and get them to cook things with you. Um, yeah. If they if they prepare the food themselves, they're they're much much more likely, I think, to eat it themselves as well. So we do that a lot. If I ever want to introduce like a new a new ingredient or a new dish to our our menu at home, I'll always make sure I do it at the weekend when I've got plenty of time, and I'll I'll get my daughter in the kitchen and and she she makes it, and then she'll eat it, and then I can just introduce that into our our weekly menu or whatever. It seems to work quite well that way. Absolutely, yeah. Super top tip. I mean, I'm am di- discovering that even at two, particularly in this lockdown, with a bit yeah. more time on of our course. hands, is uh, try and get so the, nice, isn't it? yeah, try and get the little fella in the kitchen, and he's um, he's uh, happy as Larry. He, he doesn't obviously help out much at the moment. He just makes a mess, but it's it's lots of fun. <laughs> oh, they love they enjoy it so much. Yeah. Um, and and just even, I mean, I I will talk to my daughter about um eating animal produce and how um, I'll, I'll talk to how, how I believe certain foods are bad for your health and certain foods are, are good for your health. For example, we, we drive past McDonald's and she'll say, why Why do we never go there? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just say, because it, if you eat a lot of food from places like that, it is, it's bad for your health. And as you grow older, you will grow sick and you, you know you won't live a long and, and healthy life. Um, and when we talk about... Um, when we see animals in the fields and she says I want the queue and stuff and, and I do talk about the fact that do you know what happens to them do you know why the farmers got them in the fields and, and just sort of introducing to her ideas around um, how how people eat and how, how things like that work um, not to try and upset her or scare her but just at an age appropriate level I think it's important for them to, to 
to learn about food and where it comes from and, and the impact it has on your on your body and on the environment, things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm completely, completely with you on that one. And I'd love to get your view actually on and, and your sort of experience on how how she's kind of coped as she's, I mean, she's a bit older than, than my little boy, uh, yeah. how she's kind of um, navigated relationships with friends, the the school parties, the kind of uh, mm-hmm. the lunch times at school. How, how have you found that experience? Um, well, what I do is we at home we are we are strictly vegan. Uh, I cook the food, I shop for the food, so I won't buy anything that's not plant based. The way I've worked it is if she goes to a friend's house or a friend's party, it's her choice whether she wants to consume animal produce there. Um, what I didn't want from her. For, for her is for her to be, be in awkward situations. For example, if she's invited to a friend's house for tea who's not a vegan family, how, how do I say to them, oh, yeah, she can come for tea, but you've got to cook her vegan food? Um, quite often they will. Quite often they'll go out yes. and, and make sure they've got something. But there will be an occasion where she'll go to a friend's house and she will eat some meat, and I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, it's her choice. I think as a parent, if you over-restrict your kids and over-force your opinions, your views on them, then I think they're, they're much more likely to, to rebel and kick back against it. Um, the, the dairy thing's completely different because she does have an intolerance. So if she was to have it, it would make it poorly. So school know that and and any any mm. family or, or friends' birthdays or whatever she goes to, they know that. Um, school, we just prepare a pack lunches for her. Um, but what I do find with school, which is quite tricky is we eat a lot of nuts, a lot of dishes we make include nuts. And when you send in your child to school yeah. with a park lunch, it's hard not to include nuts. Um, obviously, we manage it. But yeah, it is, it is pretty tricky because we, <laughs> we pretty much live on nuts, yes. So that would be a, <laughs> a tricky one. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's yeah. that's definitely a challenge. That one, isn't it? Because so many, and, mm-hmm. and understandably so, so many schools and nurseries, and we, we've definitely got oh, that yeah. experience. Are obviously nut free because of the, the mm-hmm. dangers to the kids with the allergies. So. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, it must be terrifying as a parent if if your child is allergic to nuts because it's just so, um, yeah, it's so scary. So yeah, we've got to think of things that we can make or, or give her for a park lunch. So things like hummus. Hummus is always a winner. <laughs> um, and we make like a, a pasta dish, so she'll take that cold. Um, yeah, she always finds things to eat. She doesn't starve. <laughs> and as she started to kind of like, I suppose, get it, you've started to have these conversations with her and, and as she's getting older and like you say, driving past fields or going going past McDonald's, etc. Yeah. Is she? Do you think she's starting to... Um, make a, a, a like a more consciously vegan choice, if you like, as opposed to just the sort of the knowing I have a dairy intolerance choice, or, or is she still perhaps formulating that? Do you think in her mind? No, I think she um, she she loves animals so much, um, and she even I think it was like last night or the night before she said to me, she said she thinks Boris Johnson should tell everybody that they, they've got to stop eating animals. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, <laughs> just because she just, yeah, she just feels so, like when she sees the little lambs in the field and she just, yeah, and the little pigs and stuff like that. Um, but then I, I, say, I say to yeah, I believe that everybody should not eat animals, but then I, I also say to that, you know, we live in a free country and everybody's free to, to make their own choices and decisions. So unfortunately the Prime Minister can't, he can't force that on everybody. But um, yeah, I think she definitely 
she definitely sees that. Yes. Yeah, I'll bet. So the beginnings of a little activist, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd love to sort of circle back to a to a point there that you that you raised there, and I'm really fascinated by this. When when you have a, a new client, and and actually, a sort of bit of personal disclosure, I remember three three years ago when I first became vegan, like mm. yourself, I googled vegan coach or something yeah. similar, vegan nutritionist, and this kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest, I had. As we talked about earlier, you re- you read stuff, don't you? There's so much like information, disinformation, yeah. <laughs> misinformation. There's so much out there that's yeah. um, you don't you almost don't know what to believe because there's so much and everyone's arg- <laughs> everyone's arguments are so compelling one way I or know. the other. And I remember kind of I you know I went vegan purely for ethical reasons on a sort of overnight decision after watching Cowspiracy and then yep. thinking, well, I'm probably going to die <laughs> by, <laughs> by, by, the, uh, by the things that other people had told me and the bits of information <laughs> I'd heard. And so I thought, oh, well, I better find some, some information out. And a bit like you, I sort of drew a bit of a blank yeah, and I was looking solely around my local area. I wish I lived a little closer because I would have, um, I would have probably struck up on the right <laughs> Google search. And I know you're online now as well, so I wish yeah. I'd, uh, <laughs> I wish I'd uh, come across you back then. But um, what are the typical things that that folks going through that transition period who come to you are concerned about, and and maybe rightly or wrongly so, but are concerned about? Um, I have had actually quite a lot of people who have turned to the vegan diet. They expected that they would lose quite a bit of weight mm. and they've actually gained, gained quite a lot of weight. Okay. Um, because I think a lot of people quite wrongly think vegan equals healthy. Yeah. Um, and I think I think even about five or six years ago when I became vegan, like I mentioned earlier, there was perhaps soy milk in the supermarket, but there wasn't really these vegan products that you see now um, I literally did just live on fruit, fruit and vegetables nuts and seeds like a completely whole food plant based diet but now you could go around your, your local supermarket and you could buy a trolley load of vegan food none of it would be whole food and not really plant based it's just completely processed food isn't it like vegan pizzas or these ready meals fake meats um, so I think people fall into that trap um, and they, they don't actually feel as healthy as they thought they would and they're perhaps piling on weight and they're, they're a bit perplexed as to what's going on there. So that's probably the most common issue. Um, so then I will we'll introduce to them the idea of tracking the calories and being aware of, of your calorie intake because whether a calorie comes from a piece of beef or whether it comes from tofu, it's still if you're, still, if you're over-consuming them, you still will put weight on. Um, so I introduce them to managing the calories and and try and get them really back to that plant-based and whole foods single ingredient foods um and then they will they will feel a lot more energized and sort of teaching people how to how to balance the diet um and and i think when you're a meat eater you traditionally just have some meat on your plate some veg and maybe some some carbs don't you yeah, absolutely when yeah. when you become when you become vegan that kind of it, it, it's all at sea, isn't it? I remember when I first transitioned to the vegan diet, it was like, I was just sat there with just a huge bowl full of vegetables and I was like, hmm, <laughs> you know, where's the protein here? So just trying to sort of construct a meal 
again, being mindful of how much protein you have and how many, many fats you have and how much carbohydrate you have. In. Um, a lot of people can quite often fall into the trap of eating far too much carbohydrate on the vegan diet um, and not really thinking about where the, fa- the fats, obviously good fats and, and um, good quality proteins are coming from. Um, so that's the thing that we kind of work on. Um, people find that they perhaps lose lose strength or lose muscle tone if they, um, they're not paying attention to the protein intake. Um, and I've had a few people who've transitioned to the vegan diet and just lost loads of weight. Um, and they can't really see why they've lost loads of weight as well. So it's just just trying to get people back on track and, and looking at how they're constructing the, the daily or the, the weekly diet around the calories and the macronutrients. So is that kind of step one, get them to, to track, like really yeah. understand what it is that they're currently doing? Yeah, yeah. And I'll give them, um, I just sort of set them on the path of giving them recipes, give them ideas on how to construct a meal. And once um, I've, I've written like a recipe ebook, which my clients will get, um, and I'll sometimes, sometimes tweak and adjust that depending on their calorie needs or their allergies or their likes or dislikes. And then it, it almost shows them how to, construct a meal, how to um, how to construct a snack, what sort of things to eat. Um, I remember when I first transitioned to veganism, I, I used to I used to eat eggs for breakfast, like goodness knows how many eggs every breakfast time. And then I was just like, what do you have for breakfast if you don't have eggs? <laughs> um, so I challenged myself to have seven different breakfasts or so different breakfasts every day from a plant-based source, you, you know, just so I knew that there was a variety out there. Um, so that's what I tend to do with my clients as well. I think there's perhaps 10 different breakfast ideas in my um, in my, my ebook. So it's just just introducing people to that idea that you, ca- you can have variety and, and almost like constructing, I don't, I don't want to say normal, but meals that you would just normally have, like pancakes for breakfast or um, sort of like porridge, things like things that you'd normally have perhaps when you weren't vegan but just showing people how to make them in a vegan way, I guess. Yeah, make, make, makes sense. And, and I love that idea, actually, because I'm definitely someone who falls into the trap of uh, familiarity and um, and routine. And so yeah, the, I, I love the idea of like of making seven different breakfasts and challenging yeah, yourself. Cha- challenge myself. And, and quite often I'll take that approach to my clients because people become overwhelmed if they want to transition to the vegan diet. Because you're changing absolutely everything. Because food and what we eat is just such a big part of what we are. So I'll quite often say to people, break it down. Perhaps quit dairy first, and then perhaps just look at look at transitioning your breakfast. And then once you're confident in that, then maybe move on to lunches. You know, just to, even if it takes a few months to transition, really, if this is the choice you're making for the rest of your life a few months is not really that much time in the grand scheme of things, is it really? You're better to, to take it slowly and get it right as opposed to try it for a week and just fail miserably and just give up on that idea. So um, that's another another tip that I use that works really well for people. Yeah, I love that. I'd, um, I'd like to go back a little section as well because there's a, I, I'm completely with you on the the rise of sort of vegan junk food and vegan processed mm. food has, has been sort of exponential over the last few years. And yeah. I swing back and forth from, from different points from a sort of ethical standpoint and a 
um, animal welfare and the environment, I think, well, you know, if that helps people get into it, fine. You know, it's got totally its, it's, yeah. got its totally place. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, the fact that I can have a bit of Ben and Jerry's once a every couple of months probably, yeah. you know, would make me feel uh, happy about life and that's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I do have, uh, on, the, on the other side of it, I sort of like, like you, I think it's sort of like, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a dangerous game as well when you start seeing the word vegan and thinking it's healthy. Um, yeah, I'd like to get your view on um, things like the kind of meat substitutes because I've noticed something sort of yeah. creeping in that I think was fairly prevalent within the kind of omnivorous diet before I switched to vegan, which is the use of words like. Um, like protein on the front of packets. And um, I even noticed I had some, uh, about a week or two ago, I had some fishless fingers that I'd picked up from Sainsbury's or whatever. And uh, they sort of touted on the front how they were a source of omega-3 and all the rest of it. Yeah. And I was just like intrigued as to this this sort of switch in the branding so I was obviously I was aware when I bought them I was like well, these are pretty processed they're probably not the best thing to eat I'm not going to eat them all the time but <laughs> I'd love to get your view on um where where you see those sort of things having a place and the the sort of the health benefits or not as the case may be of various meat mm. substitutes I, I think um I think you mentioned it there yourself I think it it's brilliant for the animal rights movement for getting people away from animal produce. Um, I think these companies, the big supermarkets, they're very clever. Um, it's it's a money making spin from them. Um, they will try and put the health spin on it, but at the end of the day, they just they want your money as a consumer, don't they? Um, and if you walk in and buy a pack of fishless fingers for, I don't know how much you paid for them, but I would guess they won't be that cheap. Um, if you bought those instead of a tin of chickpeas, then you, you, you know you're giving them a lot more, a lot more your money. Yep. Um, and I think a lot of people just look for convenience, don't they? And I think, I suppose, these supermarkets, the food companies, they serve, they serve what the consumer wants, and that's. I think that's convenient, isn't it? And, and people like to think they're being healthy when perhaps they're not really. Um, yeah, I think they'll have a place, and I think they're here to stay. I think they're gonna they're gonna rise and rise. Unfortunately, um, I don't know how that's not gonna have a great impact on people's health. I don't think. Um, and you possibly could argue would would something like a fish finger be healthier than eating something that's uber super processed like that? Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? And I suppose these sort of things have not been around long enough for there to be any sort of scientific research or, or evidence really behind them. Um, yeah, but I think they are here to stay. And I think if they if they help people transition away from animal produce, then they're a good thing. For me, I tend to eat them in very, very limited amounts because um, I'm concerned about the, the health implications. Yeah. So for, for you and, and the way you'd sort of steer your clients, I, I take it you'd be predominantly whole foods, plant-based as much oh, as is yeah. possible, right? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, and even even trying to encourage people to buy organic where, where they possibly can, you know, just to get the best quality ingredients. Um, 
And if if you whole food plant based, you know, it, it's quite a cheap way of eating. And um, where it does become very expensive is when you're going in the supermarket and buying all these sort of meat alternatives because quite often they're more expensive than the meat, aren't they? Yeah. Um, mm. So if if costs an issue, then there is that. I mean, if you can in the freezer section of any supermarket, you can buy vegan pizza. The vegan pizza will be maybe three, four, five pounds, won't it? Whereas your your non-vegan pizza would maybe be like a pound. So, um, yeah, there's a financial indications, and I think there's yeah the health implications as well. And um, so I'd always steer people towards whole food, plant based. But then again, it's always up to the individual and and their their decision and what their motivation is. Like you said, you you primarily um for animal rights reasons, that's your primary reason for becoming vegan. Personally mine was the health health reasons. So yeah, it depends what your uh, what you what your aim is, what your goal is, I guess. Do you find a challenge with some of your clients in terms of some of these processed things? And I guess the reason why they exist in the kind of omnivorous world, and we're seeing it replicated as we talked about in the in the vegan uh, in the vegan world as well, is is you know people are so uh, and and obviously the last five six weeks accepting, but people usually are um, are very time poor in their in their lives, yeah. Um, yeah. and sort of want to outsource. Uh, as much yeah. as they can they want to outsource their nutrition to a company who writes it mm-hmm. on the front of the packet that's got protein in mm-hmm. it or whatever um do, do you have to have that sort of almost like reset of mindset with a lot of your clients around the time they want to dedicate to to cooking yeah, yeah so I'll, i've taken all that into consideration and basically um every one of my recipes in my um cookbook one pot they don't require really any preparation. And um, whatever recipe you make, it'll make about eight or ten portions. So you just shove it in the pot, let it cook, go away and do something else, kids' homework or whatever with them. Come back, portion it up. You have maybe your portion for your meal that night, and then you bung the rest in the freezer. And then you've got vegan fast food or vegan convenience food in, in your freezer. So I appreciate myself included. I've not got time to cook each evening when we come home. But you just take something out of the freezer. So, so I've tried to, I've tried to build convenience into it. And um, even just simple things like, if you're going to make, for example, a big pan of vegan curry, instead of standing there chopping up four onions, chopping up five carrots, I just get clients to buy, buy bags of frozen, pre-prepared, pre-chopped, so onions, peppers, all the supermarkets do them, and just you literally just open the bag, chuck it all in the one pot, and then. Just try to make things as quick and as easy and break down those barriers for people so that they don't feel like they've got to they've got to um reach for the convenience option. Uh, and that seems to work really well for my clients. It works really well for us as a family as well. Yeah, absolutely would. And just uh, without giving away too many of the secrets of the ebook, it'd be, it'd be good to kind of understand, like, or, or maybe hear from you, like one or, one or two of your kind of favorite kind of go to. Uh, <laughs> The recipes that you would go to like what what yeah. are the ones that you that you if you're a bit time time poor but want something tasty that satisfies the whole family yeah. what, what are you going to go for um so for breakfast i do this um baked protein oats so i've done that as well haven't i've put protein in it to try and drug, try and entice people yes yeah, so baked, <laughs> protein, baked protein oats so you just need a big casserole dish bung all the ingredients in bake it in the oven 
and then you slice it into portions and it, it, it saves well in the fridge or, or in the freezer and then that's just ready the following morning. It's almost having, like having a wedge of, sort of cake for your breakfast um, and you just dollop a load of soya or coconut yogurt on top of it um, and it can be sliced up into smaller portions as like little snack bars. Um, so that's always a winner for everybody because you just prepare that on a Sunday night and you've got enough to last you then for pretty much the whole week, which is great. Um, that's another good thing I find about plant-based foods. It doesn't go off as quickly as um, mm. as meat-based foods. Is it? Um, so that's a good one for breakfast. Um, for lunch, he's probably like a one-pot mixed bean chilli. Um, again, which you just pull a portion out of the freezer and then you can just um, pimp that up with a bit of avocado on the top, sprinkle some seeds on the top, maybe a handful of spinach, um, some jalapenos, things like that. Um, and for an evening meal, it's, it's got to be chickpea curry. Um, again, just one pot, dead easy to make. Have loads in the freezer and just pull it out when you need it and just shove a bit of rice on with it, maybe some sort of stir-fried greens or something like that. Um, yeah, so just, just things that I know. I've got loads and loads of veg and them, loads of good ingredients in them and that everybody really enjoys and they're quick and easy. Oh, sounds, sounds awesome. And my, my little two-year-old does love a ch- yeah, chickpea curry as well. So, Oh, you cannot beat it. It's our, it's our all-time favourite in this house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, us, us too. He's, um, it's it's the one one of those things that you just guarantee he'll eat. He's never not in the mood for it. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. My, my daughter asks for it frequently. <laughs> She'll say, can we have a curry? Sometimes we have it a couple of times a week because it's just, <laughs> just so nice. <laughs> Absolutely. So, like, what a, a typical kind of client of yours? What what can they kind of expect from your coaching? What does the the whole package kind of look like? Yeah, I tend to to try and work with the client individually. So initially, we would go over the current situation um, and and the goal, what what they're hoping to achieve and why they're hoping to achieve it. And um, most people, there's a slight aesthetic component. Most people want to look a bit better, a bit slimmer, a bit more toned. Um, but mostly the underlying current is health. People want to mm. be health, healthy. Um, and not, I don't just work with a client as an individual. I always take the whole family into consideration. So I'm not going to give a client a diet to follow that the, the kids and the husband can't follow as well or the wife can't follow as well. Because um, I think you're kind of setting yourself up for fail then. Um, so yeah, we go, go through diet um, and then a training plan. So if that's online purely, um, it would be based around um, their schedule. Do they want to work out at home? Are they working out in the gym? Um, do they have any injuries? What are the time constraints on them as well? Often people find it difficult to fit exercise in, so we'll look at ways of fitting, fitting training in for them. Um, depends on how many how many times a week they want to exercise. So I'll provide a training plan based on how often they want to exercise. Um, and also I have clients who come into my gym, so they would do one-to-one personal training sessions um, and then we would work work um, quite closely on looking at the diet as well um, alongside it because I think you can't, I don't really think you can do one without the other. I think a lot of people mm. think, oh, I really, I really want to be healthy or I want to lose weight or I want to build muscle or whatever. I'll just start going to the gym. And really gym, the gym's important, but I think your nutrition is the foundation for everything really. Um, so we always work on that. As I've found out to my cost, you can't outrun a, Bad diet, as they say. Not really, especially as you get old. <laughs> I think I think in your late teens, early twenties, you can kind of get away with anything, can't you? Really, if 
but yeah, as, as the years tick on, definitely not. That's <laughs> catching up. <laughs> uh, I, I just there's a couple more things I'd love to talk to you about. One one is um, supplementation. So probably a mm-hmm. probably a typical uh, question for for people transitioning <clears throat> into into veganism um, is is what they they absolutely should be supplementing and what they can get through kind of um, diet based sources. So I'd love to get your your yeah. view on on that. I think I think supplements it should always be in the back of your mind that supplements are just that they're a supplement for a healthy diet. So you should try and get as healthy diet as possible. Um, wide variety of plant based foods. Um, I think vegans and probably non vegans alike should really be um, B vitamin complex. Um, B vitamin is not actually a vitamin. It, it, it's more like a, a mineral or a sorry a bacteria that's in the soil. And just because the land has been so over-farmed, whether you're eating um, a vegan diet or, or a, a meat eater, you're just not getting enough B vitamin. So um, a B, B vitamin complex, definitely. I would say everybody should take that. Um, and unfortunately, if you're deficient in B vitamins, it, it doesn't really show up. and um, takes a long, long time to show up and a lot of damage can be done by the time you start to, to show symptoms. So definitely B vitamins I think unfortunately in the UK um, vitamin D because we just do not get enough um, certainly in the winter months um, and I think a lot of people can be slightly deficient in sort of things like zinc magnesium um, that again can just be due to eating quite a lot of processed foods um, and sometimes overtraining that depletes magnesium in the, in the, um, in the body and, and I would if people would experience some symptoms sort of fatigue, um, struggling to sleep, things like that, um, maybe sort of like hair loss. And that wasn't rectified with um, a whole food plant-based diet after a couple of months. I would encourage people to have some blood work done because um, you could really, you could walk into a supplement shop and walk out with a trolley load of stuff, couldn't you? I mean, where, yeah. where, where would you end? I think you'd probably better to find out what, what you were lacking in and then supplement that back into the, into the diet with supplements as opposed to just sort of almost like a shot in the dark, isn't it? Oh, I'll try this and I'll try that. How do you, how do you measure whether that that has had a beneficial effect on you or not? Or um, it can become quite expensive, but I would definitely say B vitamins, vitamin D. Yeah. Awesome. Will be those. Awesome. Love, love that. And like you say, it's absolutely a, a minefield, isn't it? It's another industry that... Um, you can walk into a, any um, high street health food and sort of store, yeah. and, and you can be yeah. a bit baffled. So it's great to get a bit of yeah. your steer. Yeah. Oh, and also the um, omega fatty acids. Um, I always try and get my clients to um, get those through the diet, like I mentioned about the kids' diet. Um, so you sort of flax seeds, flax oils, um, nuts, things like that. Um, but and and. Um, spirulina and kelp like um algae plant algae and mm. um, but i think it's it's quite often good to um use an omega omega-3 supplement Um, obviously a vegan based one i think that's always a pretty good one to have in there Um, just for sort of reducing inflammation and, and supporting brain health and nerve function things like that love that love that that's a, that's a really good starting point i think for most people so 
yeah, appreciate yeah. you. Appreciate your steer on that. Uh, I've got one sort of final question I ask loads of people, and I'd love to get your your view. We touched on it a little bit earlier when we were talking about kind of activism uh, on uh, as a mm. as a whole. But I'd love to get your view on how uh, on how confident you'd feel that there is a a shift towards and perhaps the an ultimate goal of um, the. And I'm reluctant to say the world anymore because it's such a yeah. <laughs> complex place for, that we would mm. we would see a, a really significant shift towards veganism. Uh, yeah, I think if you were to put a time scale on it, I think we're looking at sort of long term as opposed to short term, maybe maybe a couple of generations. Um, but I think we are moving in that direction and I think more and more people are, are, are realising the environmental impact of um, animal produce um, I think people are more and more realising the health implications um, thanks, obviously thanks to documentaries and stuff you mentioned earlier on um, yeah I think we are moving in that direction and I, I don't think that I don't think that movement will stop and I think it is going to just continue growing um, if you think about the growth that we've seen in the past 5 or 10 years um, I think that is, is only going to snowball hopefully Um and I think people are becoming a lot more accepting of veganism and of plant-based lifestyle. It is becoming much, much more mainstream now. Um, so, yeah, I think I am quite confident that we'll, we'll move in that direction. Whether we'll ever get to a world where um, where no humans consume animal produce, and I don't know if that'll ever come. Um, but I think, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll move much, much more plant-based in the future, definitely. Love that, and and uh, really appreciate your your perspective and your time. Um, I'd I'd love to um, just finally just find out whereabouts we go about finding you, Stella, because I'm sure there are a, a whole host of people, maybe just newly vegan, maybe vegan curious, or maybe um, been vegan for a long time. Actually, who could do with the steer yeah. of somebody like yourself? So where could we go about <laughs> finding you? Um, if you Google Stella Woodward, the vegan coach. Um, that should bring you to my website. Um, there's a contact form on my website, so that'll get an email directly to me. Um, I am Stella Woodward, the vegan coach, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube as well. Um, Will you find? I tend to try and put out quite a good balance of recipes, um, vegan tips, and also sort of fitness tips, healthy kids tips, things like that. Um, I tend to try and interact with my audience and sort of just um, put, put content out there that people are asking for. So people will, will message me with questions and, and queries and I tend to create my content around that. Um, and it seems to be pretty pretty well received. Um, I've got people from this week, I've had um, somebody in Qatar had the kids making one of my recipes. Amazing. Pretty cool. Um, and then I've got a lady in the USA who follows my online um, live workouts. Um, so yeah, it's 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 spreading <laughs> slowly but surely. It's spreading. Love it. You're more of an activist than you probably give yourself credit for, Stella. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking oh, to you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. I love your podcast. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Stella. Bye now. All right. Bye for now. Bye.